What's up? Welcome to Bow Down, the teaching ministry of Pastor Chris Tress. Well, I appreciate the opportunity. I also greatly appreciate uh, many of you that have prayed for me. I have felt those prayers. Really, what I'm going to share today is what uh, God has extrapolated in my life over the last six or eight months. So the, if you will, the title of my talk today is Where the Head Goes, the Body Will Follow. Now that's true in the physical, but it's exceptionally true in the spiritual. And before you leave the day, I trust that you will be able to understand that in a greater way. I'm going to use the scripture, Romans 12, 1 and 2. Also want you to know that uh, you will probably not have it exegesis the way that I'm going to exegesis it. So enjoy it. Sit back. Take notes. If we have time at the end, then, uh, okay. Oh, Bibles, by the way. Yep. We're going to use those. <laughs> Thank you. Because I've not do this stuff all the time. You fit all those things. <clears throat> so I'm going to start. I'm going to read out two translations. The first one is the Kingdom New Testament. Get old, sometimes you got to use glasses. Amen. So it says, So, my dear family, this is my appeal to you by the mercies of God. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Worship like this brings your mind into line with God's. What's more, don't let yourselves be squeezed into the shape dictated by the present age. Instead, be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you can work out what God's will is, which is good, acceptable, and complete. I also want to read it out of the message translation. I kind of... Got asked by God, told by God, and I asked him what I need, where I need to read. He said, get the message and read the whole thing. All the New Testament, all the Psalms, all the Proverbs. It's a great study. Okay, the message says, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without ever thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognizing what he wants for you and quickly respond to it, unlike the cultural around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. God brings the best out of <clears throat> you, develops well-formed maturity in you. So that in itself is a challenge. 
<clears throat> so as I start today, I want to give you an overview of where I'm going, and hopefully we'll touch on all these points. I want to provide for you a snapshot of what life in Christ is all about as seen in the life of Jesus. I will share four key points, and I will share one mandatory two-step process. What I share today is a result of over 30 years of being in the Word, gleaning from numerous offers, and what God has taught me in Sistema. Everything in life starts early. In Mark 2, at the age of 12, you see Jesus in the temple. As you recall, he was there. His parents were on the way home. They were there and celebrated the Passover and took for granted that he was with them. Only to find out a couple of days later he was nowhere to be found. Jesus was comfortable in the temple because of his homeschooling, and that started early. He was required to know the first five books of the Bible. And so at the age of 12, he could dialogue with those that were much older, and they were amazed at his knowledge and his ability to dissect the word. Once his parents came back and found him, he went home, and for the next 18 years, he grew in wisdom and favor with God and man. Then I'm going to move to Matthew 3 and 4. We find Jesus at his baptism, where the Holy Spirit came. The Father confirmed that he was a, his son, and then an amazing statement he made was that he was delighted in him. Many of us have fathers we've never heard that word from. Have you ever thought about or bothered to ask God what he thinks of you? God's response to Jesus absolutely transformed how he did life. And I suggest that you move to the place that you can sit before him often enough and long enough that you can listen to hear what he thinks of you. It will have the potential to absolutely change your life also. Once he got those words, as you know, he was taken out into the desert. Now, some of us are fasting, and we're only a few days into that. Could you imagine fasting for 40 days? At the highest point of his vulnerability, he was the most powerful. He was the most powerful because during that time, his mind had been intoxicated with God. 
<clears throat> this is my first key point that we need to move to the place that our minds become intoxicated with God. This is the essential aspect of all I say today because it's a game changer. God has taught me many things. I don't have time to share them all this morning. I will share three that are applicable to where we are today. God has taught me that prayer is what he and I do together in every aspect of my life. It can be fishing, it can be on a tennis court, it can be doing the dishes, but it's what we do together. My life is not isolated with work, waiting, worship, or whatever. As a result, I've learned to pray without ceasing. I think that's what we're taught we should do. Once that begins to happen, then that results in becoming an intercessor. As an intercessor, then we get to persevere in prayer for others and begin to see the answers and result of the prayers that we've had. Secondly, it has allowed me to see daily bread, as is told in the disciples' prayer, as a whole different thing. It's allowed me to understand and experience daily bread. It means that I get to snack all day long on heavenly things. As you begin to do that, it will change how you do your work. I was in the tile business for over 40 years, on my hands and knees. More times than not, was, got to the place where it was easier to get down, a whole lot harder to get up. <laughs> but I found that I never got off my knees. I wasn't hungry. And when I got done with the day, if I was there for 10 hours or so, I was full of energy. As you're in his presence, intoxicated by his thoughts, these things happen. Lastly, it has resulted in removing hurry out of my life. Probably most of us know what that looks like. We should also make sure you realize how detrimental that is. During Jesus' three years of ministry, Jesus continued to engage God in everything. I can picture him going down the road and saying, okay, Dad, what do I do with these bozos? They don't get it. Who do you want me to pray for? Who do you want me to walk by? See, he was engaging him in every aspect. It really presents for us, if we pay attention to it, a totally different way that we can do life. I'm going to read, read to you out of Colossians 3 in the Message Bible. 
It says, if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, act like it. Pursue the things over which Christ presides. Don't shuffle around, eyes to the ground, absorbed with the things right in front of you. Look up. Be alert to what's going on around Christ. That's where the action is. See things for him is perspective. Your old life is dead. Your new life, which is your real life, even though invisible to spectators, is with Christ in God. He is our life. Does that passage resonate with anybody? Can you really begin to say, is that my life? Have we ever been told that that life is really presently available and should be normal? Hopefully as we go on, we'll begin to see how that ties together. If you don't take this opportunity You're neglecting something that is vital and is very important. So our first key point was intoxicated with the thoughts of God. The second key point can be found in John 14:30. Now this is my translation. That was where Jesus was talking to the guys before you're going to go to the cross. He basically said to them, okay, guys, the enemy is going to pull out all the stops, throw everything he has in his bag at me. But I want you to relax and know there's nothing on the inside of me that can stick. Some of you that are older know what flypaper is, right? You put it up and the flies touch it, they stick. But what Jesus is saying He's given us an example of what it means to be truly human. This is what being made in an image of God was and now is supposed to look like. It means that with the, <clears throat> the help of the Spirit, we can get rid of all those buttons You know what they are, right? That are easily pushed by others that make us respond in a less than human way. Being free on the inside is a result of a two-step process. The first step is we have to move to the place that we grow to the place as we move, that we love God with our entire being, that we engage Him in everything we do and are convinced that He has our best interest at heart regardless. Step two has to take place simultaneously with step one. Step two 
involves the removal of all non-premeditated responses. These are the responses that come from the depths of our being. The problem with them is they interrupt the flow of the kingdom of God and his presence in our lives. These responses express, whether we want to admit it or not, our true character as a result of the idols that we're still worshiping. These need to be identified, dismantled, and removed. And then they need to be replaced with Christ-like character. So maybe an example or two is important. What happens when you're driving? South Florida, you know what it's like. When you get cut off, what do you immediately say or do? What about if you get stuck in the slow lane, whether it's the bank or the grocery store? What happens then? But to get them a little more deeper and personal, what happens when you get disrespected, when you get accused unfalsely, when you feel not accepted, not loved, not appreciated? What responses come to the surface? Now, maybe some people have a lot of self-control, but the thoughts are already there. And so these things we have to really look at. But at this point, we have two major problems. The first problem involves the first step. The first step is designed to be primary, the primary and necessary steps towards character transformation and Christ-likeness. The first problem in that part is that the church tends to put four things ahead of the first point. As you recall, our first point is what? To love God with our whole beings. That's our primary responsibility in the church, to move people to that place. The four things that I'm going to share with you are good. They're very good. Some of them were touched on in some of the announcements, but I want you to make sure they're good and very good when they're in their right place. When they usurp the first one, they're in an improper place. So the four things, again, understanding these are very good and necessary in their place, is right doctrine, special spiritual experiences, and outward conformity to the teachings of Christ. And the last one is... <clears throat> that we need to be fully involved in all the programs and outreaches of the church. 
Now this does not, I hope, you allow you to take away what was said today. What was said today was pertinent. Because what they're going to do out there in Twin Lakes is begin to develop the character of God in those kids. But the other side of that, really what the problem is, that we have in the second one, that these non-premeditated responses, we've become convinced that they are normal and appropriate. So at this point, I want to go back to Romans 12, 1 and 2. We must start with verse 2 where we are to renew our minds so that the presenting of our bodies as a living sacrifice works properly in verse 1. Often we think that renewing of our minds is nothing more than taking our thoughts captive. That certainly is a necessary aspect of our walk in Christ. But at this juncture, that totally misses the point. I have found that renewing your mind may be one of the hardest things you ever do. It's one of the hardest things I ever did. Because it involves every part of our being, all the choices you have made that make you who you are. They are those things that are deep within our psyche. They are multidimensional and multilayered. This is why, as in Jesus' life, he spent lots of time in silence, solitude, and fasting. It's imperative, if you're moving toward tri-slicing, that those two are present in your life because they will allow you to get quiet enough and still your mind enough that the dirty water there settles down as clear and he can talk to you. You must remember this is a process. We tend to be instant in our society. Sad part is this may take a whole lot longer than you would like. That requires perseverance. And that's why if we have this walk towards being discipled, it requires that we have accountability. It also requires that somebody that you're going to follow is not just two steps ahead of you. Brian's an electrician. He didn't want to learn from somebody two steps ahead of him. Why? Because they both would have got electrocuted. So you need somebody that's appreciably had the interior of his life transformed so he can foresee things on your behalf. Because when it's transformed, it means that I'm able to foresee what's going to happen before it happens. I can then change it. I can forestall it, change it, make it for better. This also requires hard training and tons of effort. This is nothing short of a long obedience in the same direction. It is vital that you understand 
that your vertical vitality with God is directly proportionate to your horizontal relationships with people. When it's right, this will result over time that I will naturally move to the place that I do the same thing that Jesus would do or say if he were me in that moment. The way of Jesus is relentlessly incarnational. Why is that so? Because our body is fundamental to everything we do. The third point is that our bodies need to become our ally. So you ask, what do you mean by that? Becoming our ally means my body does not betray who I am in Christ, resulting in being out of God's presence. So the question I would ask you, do you know when you're in God's presence, and do you know when you're out of his presence? That may be vague, but the clarity comes, do you know how being in his presence resonates in your body and how being out of his presence resonates in your body? It's very important that we begin to understand this. I have found and continue to find that being in the presence of God means in my life there was no chaos, no fear, no stress or anxiety. If there are any present, there's a gap. And that the enemy I've come to find plays in that gap. So I close the gap quickly by changing my way of thinking. I've also found that keeping praise on my lips and gratitude in my heart totally eliminates the gap. Also been taught by God that by praying his name, by saying half on the inhale, half on the exhale, breathe in, you say G, and you breathe out, you say Jesus. has a profound impact on removing pain and tension. This may sound crazy, but I can assure you that I found that it works. It may also work when you repeat his name. If you, ever, if you have her in your life, there's going to be all these things I've talked about, and I'll talk about more later. And there's sometimes you're going to put your head on the pillow and it's going crazy, right? You can't get to sleep. Pray his name. You will be pleasantly surprised at how he shows up. And next thing you know, you're off to sleep. But if you can't sleep, the first thing I would encourage you to do is ask God, who do you want me to pray for? 
And many times, that may be a short time, could be a long time. But trust me also, in a result of that prayer, I fall asleep. Being out of God's presence creates tension. Tension that we carry is significantly more than we're aware of or really want to admit. I want to show you an example. In Tim and I's seminars I've taught across the country, we would talk about tension. And so if you put your hands out, You'll, you don't have to do this here, but you'll do it and stand up, okay? This exercise is rotate until you feel tension and then stop. Simple, right? Here's what happens. That's how far you go until you realize you have tension. If I'm relaxed, right there. And so unless we become aware of our tension, we can't become aware of our wrong thinking. This brings me to the fourth point. Your freedom in Christ and its appropriate movement in your life ends where tension begins. Less tension, more power. More tension, less power. In Matthew 13 is the parable of the seed. When the seed fell on good ground, roots went where? Deep. Which gave us stability. When our roots go down deep in Christ, then I have the ability to have power. So God has taught me in understanding that concept that when I move from the ground up out of who I am in Christ, it makes all the difference in the world. If my feet are not moving out of who I am in Christ. So in essence, you haven't seen my feet probably stand still a whole lot up here. It's just one of those habits you do. When you're not moving out of that, your feet aren't moving. I'll suggest to you, you're an accident waiting to happen. Because if you're standing still, if it means you're coasting. And if you're coasting... You're going backwards. And you will give the enemy a gap, and he's more than delighted to play in it. The opposite of this is found in Matthew 23. It speaks about a cup, which I find is an example of our lives.
The religious scribes and Pharisees are competent teachers in God's law. You won't go wrong in following their teaching on Moses. But be careful about following them. They talk a good line, but they don't live it. They don't take it into their hearts and live it out in their behavior. It's all spit and polish veneer. You are helpless. Your religion, scholars and Pharisees, frauds, you burnish the surface of your cups and bowls so that they sparkle in the sun while the inside are maggoty with your greed and gluttony. Stupid Pharisees, scour the inside and then the gleaming surface will mean something. If the cup represents our life, Typically, I have found that the inside of our cup is often filled with fear, anger, anxiety, broken relationships, needing approval of others, determining of outcomes, being too busy, too distracted, being self-reliant. In God's economy, this is abnormal. Abnormal. This leads me to the phrase that uh, I've coined some years ago that God gave me, is feet or defeat. I said, my feet don't get moving. Why? You're going to be in trouble. So when I walk fundamentally to what our walk with, with God is designed to look like. So we have to walk in his ways. I mean, we have to continue to walk. If I'm not moving from the ground up out of who I'm in Christ, which wants me to be in an accident waiting to happen. If we never stop moving out of who we are in Christ, in other words, taking baby steps, this will greatly reduce the normal pattern of spurts and starts. We today do not have to any longer live being a yo-yo. You can choose to live and let God remove your junk on the inside and start the renovation process from the inside out. So in summary, We have seen that the essence of renewing our minds results in our minds being intoxicated with God. We saw in Colossians 3, 1 through 3, is an alternative way to do life. Free on the inside produces movement, which is flexible, fluid, free, and fruitful. Our body, body must be and maintain being our ally at all times, regardless. If my title is correct, and that where your head goes, the body follows, which I'm convinced it is, the question I'd ask you is, where are you going?
See, the enemy studies us. And he understands our posture. And when it's broken, if I'm like this, I wear my posture. I'm going that way. He doesn't, he doesn't push and shove me. He just lightly takes me to where I want to go. So you're struggling with this stuff on the inside? That has been your posture. So my prayer today, really would be, are you prepared and willing to do the necessary hard work? It is necessary and it is hard. So I hope you leave today with a clear picture of what life in Christ looks like. And above all, that it is doable. Jeremy, how much time I got? I can't read. The red number? That gum. You're going to get done early today, but I want, to, I want to do something different since I got tons of time. Oh, 31 minutes. Is that seconds? Okay, forget that. In, in between the services, if you have questions, because this stuff I'm sure is somewhat radically different, please come to me and ask me for a clarification. So I thank you for being attentive. May God bless you. And may you leave knowing that what I've suggested today is doable. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thanks for visiting us today. Make sure to check us out online at www.bowdownchurch.com.